Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. Uh, if you would please, turn in your, turn in your Bibles to our reading this morning in Revelation 5. Uh, if, if you're just joining us online this morning, we pray that you would uh, feel welcome and you'd be blessed. This is our 10 o'clock service in, in upstate New York in the beautiful Finger Lakes region. Our reading this morning is from Revelation 5, verses 11 to 14, and our teaching is in the book of Obadiah. We'll do all 21 verses of that book. So join me with Revelation chapter, 11, chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. And behold, and I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Jesus is on his throne with his Father at this particular point, as John is seeing this beautiful vision. And in verse 14, it says, And the four beasts, these four beasts are the cherubims and the seraphims. They are not beasts. They are living creatures, living spiritual creatures of God. They are perhaps some of the highest of the angels, but they're a whole separate, a whole separate classification of angels from what we're used to reading of angels in the, in the Scriptures. And they all worship the one that's on the throne, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's the one that made the whole world. If we read the book of Colossians in chapter 1, we see that he is the creator. He is the word that was spoken and the world came into existence because of him. So now we come to, we come to God's family. In the book of Obadiah, it covers an interesting set of circumstances. We find, oh, I didn't bring that page with me. Okay. We find it taking us back to the grandchildren of Abraham. Abraham is that anointed man that 
God began to speak to when he lived in, in the region of the Chaldeans, in Ur of the Chaldees, along the Persian Gulf. He was not native, native to the area that we now call Palestine or Israel. He was a transplant from the Middle East. And he had three sons, or two sons. He had, and we call them, we call them the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when it came time for Isaac, there were some problems because Abraham had received a promise of a child of his own. And when I say his own, it's because the two shall become one and the child should have come from Sarah. Instead, Sarah had been deemed to be, to be barren. She gave him no children. And so Abraham went ahead and had a child with Sarah's servant, an Egyptian by the name of Hagar. And she gave him Ishmael, his firstborn. But the scriptures continue during the, during the explanation of the Abrahamic covenant. And it says, In Isaac will thy seed be blessed. So God's word is true. And he said, You will have a son, you and your wife. And... Sarah eventually heard, heard these two men, these two angels who came into their tent one time and when they announced to Abraham that she was going to bear a child, she laughed. She snickered to herself. Well, the child came and they ended up calling him Isaac, which means laughter. What a name to be called but a joyous time, nonetheless. Well, Isaac had two sons of his own, twin boys. He and his wife, Rebecca, were overjoyed. One was, one was Esau, the firstborn, and the second one was Jacob. Jacob meaning, meaning heel catcher. I remember my, the pastor that taught me that I sat under for 15 years. He used to say, Jacob the heel catcher, the dirty, sneaky thief. <laughs> but that's not, that has no reflection on Jacob here, that's for sure. But what we see is uh, the second example in the scriptures of conflict between two brothers. Because Esau became very angry with his brother for stealing his birthright. And it's really interesting that uh, Rebecca, and you'll have to remember, Isaac's wife Rebecca was the one that initiated the deceit and the trickery. 
And in in verses 41 to 45 of Genesis chapter 27, it says, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessings wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words, Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, in Har- to Haran, and tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away. Until thy brother's anger turns away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done unto him, then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived of you both in one day? I find it interesting in this passage that we see something that something that is in Rebecca's heart. Rebecca is a Syrian woman. She's not part of the family of God. She's not a descendant of Abraham. She's a woman of Syria. And even though it was before this is before the law came into being, before Moses, we see something in her that grieves our hearts. She says, Until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. And I hope you're picking up the blame shifting. You did this to your brother despite the fact that it was her plan. Her plan that Jacob worked out. But it was also God's plan to separate them for a time. And it's also interesting, she says to to Jacob, tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away. Well, he stayed with Laban 14 years. (laughs) That's a a long few days. But nonetheless, that's the impetus of what we're going to read in Obadiah. We know very little about Obadiah. He's among among four prophets total that we know very little about. Obadiah's name means a worshiper or a servant of God. So we know he's a believer. We know he's of the family. We know that he's just an ordinary man that has been moved by the Holy Spirit to write the words that the Spirit tells him to write. And in the very first, the very first verse of the chapter, the vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. And before we go any further, we have to remember who Edom is. Edom is the father of the Edomites. Edom means red. And we find in the scriptures 
that Edom is Esau and his descendants. In his anger, he turned away from God. In his anger towards Jacob and the situation with the stolen birthright, he turned away from God. And he inhabited the area around Mount Seir. And Seir is the Hebrew word for red. And Edom had red hair. He had thick red hair all over. And in his, on his arms in particular, he was just this hairy guy. And it was because of the deceit in Isaac's declining eyesight and on his sickbed that Jacob put a hairy skin of an animal around his arm and said, Yes, it is I, Father. And he took his father's arm and let him touch him. He said, Ah, my son Esau. But it was Jacob in the midst of the deceit. So all of this eventually ties together. This hairy, red-haired man takes over the region around Mount Seir, which is the region of Petra and Bozrah, two cities that were actually further established by a nomadic tribe called the Nabataeans. They were the ones that developed the rock city of Petra, a series of, of holes that could be that could be lived in. They were big enough. And it was in the rock city of Petra where the Nabataeans carved out all kinds of things, including whole buildings, chapels, meeting rooms, and everything else because it's all sandstone. And it's easily ground out. So concerning this vision surrounding Edom that Obadiah had seen, we have heard a rumor from the Lord and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. Speaking of Esau and all the and Edom and and the, all the Edomites, you're greatly hated. And it's really interesting that Jacob and Esau later on in their story, when they were reunited again, they sort of made up. They didn't spend a lot of time with one another, but they made up. Esau wept on his younger brother's shoulder. in affection and in forgiveness. He missed his little brother. And Jacob responded in kind. Jacob even offered his whole family, his wives and his children and his grandchildren, to his older brother. He said, take them, they're yours. I know what I did. And Esau said, no, I have enough of my own. <laughs> I have enough of my own. 
So he says, he says to God's word through Obadiah is, Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock. And this is a reference to Petra. Whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? And that is the height of pride. Who's going to come against me? Though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, excuse me, as the eagle, though thou set thy nest upon the stars, hence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. And this is just another reiteration of Isaiah chapter 14 where Satan himself says, I will be like the Most High. I will raise up to the heights of heaven. I will be like God. God doesn't allow us to raise ourselves up to that level. And you get the, the impression that Esau, while he's living in Petra and in that city, high up in the cliffs and in the holes in the cliffs, that he thinks he's untouchable there. It is a fortress. It's, only, it's, a, it's a large, great open valley, but it's only accessible through this narrow crevice that runs about a mile and a half to three miles through the desert with nothing but sheer rock on either side. It's about a, in, in spots it's wide enough to get one horse and one rider through. It's an important concept to understand that it is a fortress because that is where the Jews are told to go when the Great Tribulation, when Armageddon begins to take place. Thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou hast set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. And that is the Lord's doing. Anybody whose pride gets so out of control that they think they're untouchable, the Lord will bring them down through situations, through circumstances. We have to remember the Lord is the great choreographer of our lives and the situations that we find ourselves in. Satan blinds us to consequences of our own actions. And the Lord says, see, <laughs> wake up. Look a little deeper into the situation you find yourself in. You got yourself into this because of your own pride. If thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? And this reminds us of the, the practice of leaving some of the corners of your fields during harvest available to travelers that they can nourish themselves with just a few ears of corn or a few grains of wheat or whatever may be needed in their travels. So wouldn't they have left some grapes? We we understand that, okay, there's even honor among 
people that take things from you. They don't take things from one another. How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. And this has reference to the Nabataeans who chased them out of Petra and developed that city even more and then developed also the city of Bozrah nearby. And the men of your confederacy, they have deceived thee. They've brought you to the border. And now they have prevailed against you. And when they were cast out of the rock city of Petra, they were driven across the river, west of the Jordan River, into the Negev Desert. And they inhabited southern Israel. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the mount of Esau? And thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Teman is the grandson of Esau. Teman is the son of Esau's firstborn. And so Teman seems to be heading up this, this, whole, this whole city, this, this group, this conclave of Edomites. He's the leader. He's making decisions. And the Lord says, I'm going to bring all of your wise men to nothing. You'll be slaughtered. So it's either get out of town or be killed. Of the Edomites, and these are the children of Esau, there were ten Ten dukes. I'm sorry, eleven dukes altogether. Jacob had eleven, uh, twelve sons, twelve sons and a daughter. Jacob had twelve sons, and his older brother had eleven sons. And each of them formed their own tribes and associations, and they all clung together as individual tribes. Thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount Esau may be cut off by slaughter. And we wonder, okay, God is saying this about Edom, and if we're not familiar with the story, we may ask why. And Obadiah goes into it with the next verse, verse 10. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. 
in the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast one of them. In the midst of the Babylonian captivity taking place, and those of Judah were carried away captive, the Edomites were on the sidelines cheering the Babylonians on. Truly they considered they considered Jacob and his offspring, the people of Judah, the tribes of Israel, they considered them their enemies. Anytime there was a there was an attack against Jerusalem, the Edomites came up from the south and attacked them from the southern portion. Most of, most of Israel's attacks came from the east and the west and the north. But now they've got their own cousins that join in the battle against, against Jacob and Judah in particular. Thou shouldst not have looked on the day of thy brother, in the day that he became a stranger, neither shouldst thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldst thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Gloating over your enemy's misfortunes is not something that the Lord has in mind for any of us. And what he's trying to get them to realize that these are your brothers, these are your cousins, these are your extended family members, and you're gloating over their demise, over their being carried away captive. You know, God is saying, what kind, of a, what kind of people are you that your own brother's demise causes joy in you? That is a deep-seated hatred. And it's one that continues today. It has not ceased. Thou shouldst not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldst not have looked upon their affliction in that day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in their day of calamity. Neither shouldst thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those that did escape. They tried to block their escape. We want to, we want to see those guys kill you all. That is, that is about the height of cruelty. Neither shouldst thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldst thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. Hey, Chaldeans, look who we caught for you. It's another Jew. See, it wasn't the Nazis that were the first to persecute the Jews. Not according to this book. 
God knows all and His Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit gave this vision, this storyline to Obadiah 900 years before Christ. You know, and to put that in perspective, if we look back 900 years from where we are today, it takes us back to the 1400s. The beginning of the Middle Ages. They were still ruffians and heathens. And many were uncivilized even in those days. It's funny how history continues. But when we look at this 900 years before Christ, this is 3,000 years ago. And the Edomites have still not given up their anger. The Ishmaelites have still not given up their anger. But God has said, I'm going to lay you all waste, Edom. All you children of Esau, I'm going to lay you waste. Now how can we prove that? Well, has anybody met an Edomite lately? It's an unheard of race or family of people. But their hatred, the people's hatred against the Jews, has continued. Because it, that region was eventually taken over by Muslims 500 years after Christ. because they believed in a false prophet, Muhammad. Even when they did manage to escape from the Babylonians, they were delivered up to the Babylonians when they were caught by the Edomites. In verse 15 it says, The day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Watch out. If you're plotting against another. And it's, it's interesting if we go back to Proverbs chapter 6. In verse 16 it says, These six things doth the Lord hate to see a seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. It makes me wonder if we're going to see Rebecca in heaven. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thy heart and tie them about thy neck. You know, live in those things. Let the things around your, your head and around your neck and everything, just let it remind you that you belong to God. 
and this region, this region of the Nabataeans, the rock city of Petra, the Negev, Jerusalem, Samaria, all of those countries, they're all part of God's creation. And those that inhabit them are all descended from the sons of Noah. In Acts chapter 17, 1726, I believe it is. Verse 24 begins and it says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And he hath made one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. <laughs> Hello, my brothers and sisters, my family. And we can say that to anybody who would ever walk in through these doors. Hello, my brothers and sisters. How are we supposed to look at the battlegrounds that are drawn by national boundaries drawn by men when God has drawn us all together in one habitation, earth? It's, this, is an, this is an important concept. When we think of the golden rule, Jesus, Jesus described the golden rule in a very uh, proactive way. It was in Matthew chapter 7. I'll get there. Sorry for the delay. <clears throat> Sometimes when things come to you, they come to you all of a sudden. In Matthew 7, verse 12, it says, Therefore, all things, whatsoever that you, what, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye also even unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. What it tells us is how we want to be treated is how we're supposed to treat other people. But the focus in Jesus' directive and in his, his quotation here is not me. It's taken to consider them first. Taking into consideration others first. Because whatever you lay out is what will, you, what will return to you. Kindness and love. Consideration, compassion, empathy. 
in another, in another passage in Matthew, in chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus is pronouncing woe to the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment and mercy and faith. These also ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. Tithes of compassion. Tithes of mercy. Tithes of faith. Sharing our faith with others. Giving unto others. Compassion, empathy. These are things that we all need to be tithing of as well. Not just the things in our wallets. You should not have done all of these things in their day of distress. For the day of the Lord is upon the heathen, and as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. You see, God is the one that dictates how the golden rule plays out in our lives. If we take others into consideration first, it comes out as a blessing to us. If we consider only ourselves first, in hopes of getting something in return, we may not like what we get if compassion and empathy and mercy is not tithed along and moved forward, passed on, literally paying it forward. The kindness and love of God our, our Savior to be played forward and paid for, forward to others for as you have drunk upon my holy mountain, in verse 16, so shall all the heathen drink continually, literally, on yours. They shall drink and they shall swallow down and they shall be as though they had not been. I'll wipe them out. That's why we can look around and say, I don't think I've ever met an Edomite. I see no nation or national border or boundary of a country called Edom. They are no more. And look what God has done. The Babylonians that took away Judah and the Assyrians that took away the northern tribes. There is no more Assyria. There is no more Babylon. They are desert waste spots. Wastelands of nothing but sand and sand dunes driven in the wind. In the countries of Iran and Iraq, it's only in the valley between the Tigris and the Euphrates River that is still cultivatable. And when, it, when, they, when they fall into a drought season, things are very difficult there. And the only thing they have to share and to purchase with is the oil that has to be dug out of the, or pumped out of the ground. That's why oil is so important to them. We have gold backing our dollars. 
Well, we used to anyways. They have oil backing theirs. But up on Mount Zion, Obadiah says, this place where you mocked your brothers, the Jews, this place that you helped the Babylonians carry them away captive, this place that is God's mountain and not yours, upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house, and listen to this, this is a really awesome verse. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle in them and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, saith, for the Lord hath spoken it. Edomites extinct. And they of the south. Okay, now we're talking about about Saudi Arabia today. They of the south shall possess the Mount of Esau. And they of the plain, the Philistines. And they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. No matter how hard the enemies of Israel plot and plan, and attack, the land is still going to belong to the Jews. The tribes still have their portions all laid out. The fields of Samaria, Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath, and the captivity of Jerusalem which is in Shepharad, Shepharad, shall possess the cities of the south all the way down to Elat. All the way down to the, the port city of Elat in the Gulf of Aqaba. What an amazing prediction and prophecy. And they shall possess the cities of the south. And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. All your efforts will be for naught, Edom. You thought yourself too high. You aimed for the sun and the moon in hopes of getting a little land. And the Lord said, you're not even going to have the land, Edom. God still rules. And what the Edomites forgot was that Jacob and the Jews are their brethren. What they forgot was that all of the land belongs to the Lord. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills to boot. And there's nothing that's going to prevent God from performing his will and his purpose in the, in the lives of the people of the Middle East. We see the result of these wars and these 
conflicts of different ideologies, even to the point where the enemies of Israel fight among themselves. We see that just among the people that follow Muhammad. The Shiites attack the Sunnis, and the Sunnis attack the Shiites. They're fighting within themselves. There's no peace in that religion. There's no peace in that region. There's no peace anywhere. And yet there will come a day when an Antichrist will come along and when they shall all say under his leadership, peace and safety, then, then shall judgment come in the terms of war and rumors of war. And enemies shall fight enemies and brethren shall fight brethren. It's nonstop when we consider this only as man's world. But when we consider it to be God's world, we know that there is an end to all of this Armageddon and these battles against brethren between us and whoever, between the Jews and whosoever, because on Mount Zion is salvation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this important book. 21 meager verses. And they give us context for all of the rest of the Bible. They give us context for our modern day wars and battles, and conflicts and differences of ideologies among men. Whether it's Russia against anyone, whether it's the United States against them, whether it's a difference of opinion between the Canadian and the American borders or the Mexican borders. Lord, you call us all one blood. And you have laid out, you have laid out the limits of our habitation. Lord, please help us. Help us to not go beyond our own limits of habitation that you have set for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask you to anoint your word to our ears and to our hearts this week. Lord, let us remember that we are indeed all one blood. And then when we apply the golden rule, we are to apply it first to our brethren. And then we will get compassion and love and understanding and empathy returned also to us. As you have given to us, Lord, you will, you will give to others. If we don't use your gifts right, you will remove them and give them away to others. Lord, we see that happening in the United States even now. We pray, Lord, that you would bring peace to our world. And that only happens when believers humble themselves and repent of their sins and pray. And that's when you say from Numbers, from the book of Numbers, that you will come and heal our land. 
Lord, come and heal your land. For it all belongs to you. We love you and we thank you. Go with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. We'll get back to Joel chapter 3 next week and we'll continue in that study of uh, Joel's prophecy about the end times. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. To access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to whitestonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to Him.